0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode number 166. I am your host, Nicholas Minix, and joining me as usual during the week is Eno Saris. Eno, how are you today?
1: I'm doing good. My child woke me up uh, around 5 and then again at 6, so uh, not as chipper as I might normally be.
0: <laughs> well, let's uh, let's see how uh, chipper we can make you by talking a little bit of baseball as it relates to fantasy. I wanted to start with uh saw a recent report uh, that <clears throat> Yasmani Tomas uh, might be or seems to be the next major name Cuban uh, who will be on the free agent market available for bid. And it's kind of in light of the Rusni Castillo sweepstakes that Boston won convincingly, or perhaps not convincingly, I guess it's hard to say, uh, what the other bids were, uh, or, I mean, you know, these players are free to negotiate essentially. Um, and, uh, Tomas is expected to be the next player. So I was going to be, I was basically interested to see what we could find out about perhaps, uh, Translated numbers. have of the the Clay Davenport numbers and see if this guy. How do we like him in comparison to say a a Castillo uh, in terms of future fantasy value, uh, and, and uh, perhaps even as far as other Cubans who have come into the league recently with the U.S. Yoenis Cespedes, Yesio Puig, etc., etc., and. Tomas is a guy, he tends to feature a bit less power than Castillo and uh, certainly less speed. So I think it's going to be easy to say that we don't like him as much as Castillo. But considering the kind of money that has been thrown at these players, and he is, I think he's only 23. Yeah, Uh, he'll be 24 next season. So there might be some perception that there's a tiny bit of growth remaining in his future. But uh, I think he's going to be at, le- at the very least a less appealing fantasy commodity than Castillo, without a doubt.
1: Well, yeah, he plays first base, <clears throat> right? I think he's a first baseman, and uh, he's going to go up against. Well, actually, here uh, it has uh, Tomas down as a right fielder slash center fielder, uh, but I've heard I've heard some possible uh, first base uh, future in him which would be really important because if he is actually a first baseman, the, the bar for uh, success is, is higher. Uh, but in any case, if he, if he stays in the outfield, the nice thing about him, you mentioned he's 22, 23, uh, he's 23 right now. We're looking at his translated numbers for 22 and at 22, he hit two uh, translated two seventy three, 73, three, So, it's not a great on-base percentage. The translated walk-to-strikeout ratio is about eight to 37 in, uh, you know, 140 plate appearances. So, you know, not a big sample. Um, not, uh, not great plate discipline. Decent amount of swing and miss, but uh, it looks like he probably has a little bit more power than Castillo. Uh, you know, in comparison, we have Jose Brey, who's 26 year old. Uh, Davenport translations for 2013, and in those, uh, Abreu hit 298, 393, uh, 576, which is just insane. But uh, <laughs> uh, so if you so you know you know compare those two together, uh, you see that uh, Tomas doesn't have the same on-base percentage, doesn't have the same plate discipline, has a little bit more swing and miss, and um, uh, a little bit less power, so he's you know he's uh, he's interesting. He's probably not going to get the same money that Abreu got, and um, <clears throat> he's probably not of the same quality. But like you said, 23 years old, that gives you a couple years. Abreu, uh, in all likelihood, is uh, like right near his peak. That was the question in the chat today: Is Abreu at his peak? And I think he probably is at his peak. The only thing that you could say. Um, that he hasn't, that maybe he hasn't peaked yet, It's because he could learn the league a little bit more. Um, so uh, there is a little bit of that in there, but I would say that is closer to his peak than Tomas will be. So whatever we see out of Tomas at first, there might be a little bit of growth left.
0: Yeah, and there's also, I guess, but there's also <clears throat> the possibility that Abreu is um, that there's people, there are people who are learning Abreu a little more as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I didn't realize. I, Totally, I didn't realize. For instance, uh, that uh, um, as, as far as Tomas is concerned, yeah, the power. I was just looking at the raw counts and not uh, in the in the low at bat total. He hasn't played a whole lot uh, yeah. relative to a lot of these other guys. So, <clears throat> yeah, he actually has. He does have some power, um, but it, yeah, obviously, also it doesn't look like it's on a Braves level. So he'll be, but he'll, he'll be a player of interest. Uh, so in light of that, considering that uh, he has maybe more power let's say he's just an outfielder and we put him in the same so that he's kind of in the same position boat as Castillo going forward would you like player like Tomas more or player like Castillo more I would lean toward Tomas looking at um uh, the upside in terms of well looking at a little bit of upside in terms of power as being something that just appeals to be a little bit more
1: yeah but then you with Castillo have a little bit more chance of um of the sort of five-category goodness. You know, I went back to 2012, um, and I've got their translated stats the year before, and Tomas wasn't as good that year. Uh, He actually had more homers than than walks when you come to translated totals. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: Nine homers, six walks, uh, and 240 plate appearances. His 215, 236, 399 translated line is no good uh Castillo's uh is 237 276 390 not much better but he still has those 15 steals um with the with the 9 with a similar amount of power uh according to the translated stats so i think i would take castillo uh you know based on the um the the five category possibility um you know I I think of guys <clears throat> I think of guys like uh Chris Davis uh with the 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 crush the the Milwaukee version of Chris Davis um I think of uh Leonis Martin um <clears throat> I think of guys you know I think that's the sort of level we're talking about you know Leonis Martin uh has a little bit less power uh but he has the has a little bit more speed um, you know, managed to play center field, has the, has the uh, platoon problems. I think that would be a pretty, like, I think that would be a really good outcome, actually, for Castillo. Um, and, uh, Crush Davis, um, you know, the, the mini crush, um, I think would also be a really good outp- out, outcome for Yasmani Thomas. The nice thing about these guys is, especially if you're in dynasty leagues with prospects and so on and so forth, the nice thing is that you don't have to wait that long. You get to, you get to basically, that's, Part of what I think that the teams are doing right. is buying a prospect um, that's close that you can find out quickly what's going on with him. So you
0: yeah, know, that's your point. You,
1: you pick, yeah, if you pick up one of these guys, you don't have to hold him for four or five years. You can you can hold him for the right. You could you could learn something about Castillo maybe the rest of this this month, and you'll certainly learn about him earlier next month. And I think the same is true for Thomas. Thomas.
0: Yeah. Uh and you mean in terms of fantasy like I mean the teams are ponying up big bucks for them and so basically it's guaranteed money. But uh, for them it's just money. It's not a draft pick or a team control or anything like that. Right. But and but
1: also, you know, immediate sort of immediate knowledge return, you know. Right. Uh, they aren't buying they aren't buying this prospect to find out 5 years from now he's going to be any good. They're they're saying, you know, we think we're close. We just need some infusion of talent and it only costs money
0: as you said. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Um, in Baltimore, uh, Alejandro de Aza is uh, apparently now kind of on the good side of a platoon there, doing uh, Baltimore a favor by uh, putting Delman Young on the bad side of a platoon, I think, um, because even though Delman Young has hit over about, I think he's hit over 300 for the season, uh, and has provided a little bit of power and, and, and things like that, but uh, first of all, it's hard to Hard to believe that he would continue to produce that way. And Baltimore apparently felt uh, confident enough to believe the same uh, that they are, at least recently, that Diaz has played uh, on the regular side of that platoon uh, <clears throat> in recent days or basically since his acquisition uh, waivers from the White Sox. And uh also doing them a favor probably defensively quite a bit <clears throat> in that platoon <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> Young is a a collection of bricks <laughs> um yeah i you know deaza is a really weird cat i mean he's older than people think uh it took him a little while um to to uh to make it to the bigs um 30 year old rule 5 draft pick i think um so <clears throat> Um, I'm not sure about that bit. It says here on his, on his page that that's the case, but uh, in, in the year that he transitioned from the Marlins to the White Sox, he also played in A, So I don't think he could be a Rule 5 pick. So maybe he was traded, but in any case, it took him a while to get going. He was, looked like a sort of tweener. Uh, he hasn't had the greatest uh, center field defense. Uh, hasn't really had enough power for the, out, uh, for the corners in the past. Uh, doesn't really have a ton of patience. Strikes out a little bit more than the league average, but <clears throat> shows enough with the tools and um a little bit of batting average on balls and play, uh juice that he's got going, uh, to to be just better than league average with the bat or he's actually league average with the bat uh period uh for his career. But, you know, for fantasy owners you've got that speed combo. <clears throat> he kind of reminds me of a Leonis Martin type too, where if he ever got, you know, a full season he could maybe uh you know last year he got 17 homers 20 stolen bases he's like a sort of I, w- I would say normal year he's a 10 20 guy um you know and then when you get a little bit of boost from that no- that home park uh i just think that um uh, that's very borderline for 12 teamers and stuff so he's the kind of guy you want to pick up in into deeper leagues i think but uh why not i mean he's he's a He's gonna, you know, he's gonna be hitting right-handers when you when you play him. He's gonna have a little bit of speed. Uh, he's got a, you know, he's got a defined role right now. So, I, I
0: think you know he's useful. Yeah, yeah, like you said, in deep in deep mix leagues, simply because I mean, you're probably not gonna find much more attractive on the waiver wire at this point if he's available. Uh, if you need some kind of late season boost in the outfield as a fifth outfielder or something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean. When you're talking about like a 15-team uh, fifth outfielder, um, I mean you're talking already uh, 75 outfielders deep. Um, you know, there's only about 90
0: outfielders in baseball, so he's definitely worth worth playing in that league. Who he'll do? <laughs> B.J. Upton sits. B.J. Upton doesn't do. Uh, he sits. He has sat for three straight games in favor of. Homer off Strasburg though. Ah, did he?
1: Yeah, it was uh, that was sort of like, oh, there's BJ Upton.
0: <laughs> well, he's got a little, he's got one of those up his sleeve every now and then.
1: Yeah, but you're right. I mean, you just look at his game log, uh, too many gaps in between.
0: Yeah, and uh, Boniface, So, does this, uh, does this, how much does this raise really interest in level? Because uh, I think we talked about him on a couple of previous pods, or at least we talked, I talked about him with Jason. Uh, simply because I mean Bonifacio seems like the type, the super utility type that still has a great deal of benefit to Atlanta by being uh, really providing a lot of flexibility for them. Um, do you think that this does it turn into maybe a platoon situation where Bonifacio gets the right-handed pitchers and Upton sits in favor of uh, or you know, and Upton faces just the lefties or? Uh, I, I think it's it's still hard for me to to see. I, I I think I'm hesitant to think that the Braves will make this switch on uh, on a, a semi permanent to permanent basis, as far as Upton goes.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's too many years left in that contract for them to do this for the life of the contract just yet. Um, you know, there was the rumors that they were going to try and sell him in the off season. Um, you know, this is a pretty terrible year to be trying to do that. So. I have a feeling they will do that for the rest of this season. Um just because they're scrapping to stay in it. Yeah. Um, and then uh what they'll do is probably something like try uh to start the season with him again next year. Um and uh <clears throat> see if they can if he can recover something and if he can't then um all discussions start about cutting him, you know, trading him to a team that's um that's hurting uh, just to, that might want to um, see if they
0: can recapture something on their own. That makes sense. And uh, like, uh, <clears throat> yeah, selling him will be rather difficult and you give him a shot, but otherwise uh, yeah, they may eventually look to give him the Dan ugly treatment as well.
1: Yeah. Kind of amazing. They're not a team that uh, spends very
0: often in the, uh, in free agency, but when they do, they blow it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's impressive. Andrew Romine uh, has played in place of Eugenio Suarez in Detroit uh, for the last four days so far. I have not checked. I'll have to check uh, maybe today to see if that continues to be the case. And Brad Ausmus cited. Uh, we already know that Romine has a sharp glove for the most part, and uh, he's actually been at least – what uh, at least how Smith sees it, Romine has hit fairly well uh, recently. I'm not sure.
1: I think you got to hit the uh, quotation marks pretty hard on a guy who has a
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: 51 WRC plus.
0: Yeah, that, uh, uh, I think Al. I'm not sure if Smith is looking to make an excuse there. Suarez sort of hasn't been bad. I mean, he had a bit of a slump. After the All-Star break, but he's not been he's not been terrible. So wonder makes me wonder if there's also something that they are just dissatisfied enough with uh, Suarez as far as his defense is concerned that they want to make this kind of switch.
1: That's got to be it. I mean, from watching the games, uh, what I've seen is um, I've seen Romine uh, turn in some really quality uh, standout defensive plays, and I have to believe that you know those standout defensive plays are sticking sticking in the brain. Um, you know, because you know it, it, Suarez's defensive troubles, if there are any, haven't gotten to the point where he's not valuable uh, as a shortstop defensively. So um and he's uh you know not great uh with the bat, but he's uh offers more power and, and has a little bit more going on than than Romine with the bat. So um I think it's probably a couple staying out plays. Uh, Suarez probably still somewhere in the plans uh, for the Tigers, if as if if you know as their future utility bat. Um, you know they still got Iglesias coming back next year. Um, so I don't know. I don't think. uh, I don't think I really want to own any of these guys, even in the deepest league. (laughs) Yeah. No. Romine's really just gonna tank all your numbers. Um, and then. You know, if you're in those super deep leagues and you can only play one of them because the other guys owned, um, then you're stuck with all those zeros when they do get pulled. So I, I just uh I think uh this is a don't touch situation.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way it feels is uh do not inhale those guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Miami, uh, some some longer term stuff, uh Miami plans, according to a report from USA Today, to offer Giancarlo Stanton the largest contract in franchise history. Um, so this is another one talked about briefly with Jason because the news had originally surfaced that they had planned to offer him a significant extension uh, sometime in the last month that came out. And uh, now it's interesting that they plan to offer him enough to, I guess, where he'd actually be able to afford Happy Meals. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know that uh, Miami has offered too many large deals in in recent times, but uh, it's it, this is an interesting developmental move kind of thing, this, or uh, some some kind of signification if this were indeed to happen. Um, do you think what is this? How does this? Do you think this affects Stan's outlook as far as? I mean. Clearly, as fan, any of us fantasy owners, we want to see Stan move to a different ballpark because even though we know he hits all of these no-doubt-about-it home runs, uh, a lot of his fly balls would end up leaving yards like in Baltimore and in uh, even in Boston, places like that. So um, this is an interesting development, to say the least, uh, or it could, it, this would be an interesting development if he were to resign there uh, in terms of that. I think he becomes significant. I'd say that he becomes a significantly less appealing option in dynasty leagues, but does not I guess even if they were to give him a contract in the neighborhood of what they are talking about, which is simply again just largest in franchise history. Um, I guess basically, I look at it as a uh, you know, it's still it's it's always still a possibility that they trade them. They just uh, yeah, the yeah. money the money is 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 what changes the the circumstances yeah, at that to,
1: point. Yeah, it's their return, but you know, in return for uh, the money they get, years of security, knowing that they own the guy, so they could you know, then if they buy him, they're not just selling him as a two or three year commodity to another team. They're just, they're they're selling him as a ten year commodity or whatever, um, uh, and you know. Biggest contract in Marlins history, yeah, uh, they they haven't given a lot. But when they have, they've uh, turned around and sold the guys right away anyway. So the biggest contracts in, in Marlins history that I think of are Reyes and Delgado, uh, both guys that were sold in either the second or third years of their contracts. True, true. Uh, um, so they could sign him, and he could be gone two or three years. From now it does put the sort of short-term damper on things. Um, and I think you know just the fact that the Marlins have been a lot better than people thought they'd be this quickly. Um, and the fact that, you know, with Jose Fernandez, this team might actually be in the race right now. Um, I think that says to me that there might be less selling off of the parts um, this year than people expected. Um, you know, they, they we've already made fun of them for wanting to re-sign McGee, um, trading way Moran. You know, these are, these are things that they're doing to try and build uh now. You know what I mean? I mean, you keep Moran if you wanna if you wanna have a shot at a good third baseman in the future. You trade Moran away and sign McGeehee if you think you're starting to build towards something. So um, you know, all signs point to them thinking that they'll be there soon. They'll get Fernandez back. They have Cozart now in the in the rotation and, you know, they'll sign McGeehee, sign Stanton and, and see what they need to add on top of that. So um maybe they've changed their ways, you know? I mean there was this big thing that, uh, that Cameron and I went back, um, you know, writing about whether or not you should try to be competitive every year, or if you should just sell all your parts um, anytime you're not competitive. You know, in the past, the Marlins have been very boom or bust, but the, the way that they're acting right now, the last couple of years has been a little bit more slowly building towards something. So I think it'd be really interesting to see what they do with, like, Steve Shishak, for example. Um, with Ramos and Morris, they might have enough in the, in the bullpen just to make it, you know, just to keep going with what they've got. Um, you know, interesting to see what they, if they actually do manage to sign Stan, um, they don't seem to have trouble to actually put the, you know, dollar signs down on the contract. It's about whether or not they give him a no trade and, um, actually keep him for a long time. So I don't think this affects his fantasy value too much. I mean, he's, he's so, he's so bomb anyway, you know, his strikeout rate has improved every year. He's been in the big leagues. Um, so, uh, you know, but now that's going to stop happening because strikeout rate only improves to about 25 years. So uh, I think we're looking at pretty much um, one of the, you know, maybe he'll get it down to like 26 percent or something. But I doubt he'll improve his strikeout rate much. Um, and then in the years where his BABIP isn't as good, uh, we're going to see some 240 and 250 years in there. But it's going to come with great power every year. I think this is peak stolen base right now for him too. So next year I'd probably put him down for, you know, two seventy, uh 35, 38 homers, um, you know, four or five stolen bases.
0: Yeah, and the well, and the health is that's still gonna be just because he's had a good year health wise doesn't mean that that's that gone away, so at least for now. I mean this could be this could be from a, a physical matter mature either maturation or maturity standpoint uh, that I mean he's kind of a guy who was just still growing into his body that uh, he's st- he was still in the late years of uh, adolescence um but and bigger guys especially i think when they're continuing kind of to to work through those those final physical alterations uh, that uh, combination of heavy athletic exertion and those kind of things can, I think result in the type of injuries that he has sustained. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Stanton, I mean, he, he certainly remains that, that type of appealing player, but I think it's, it's, I think it would be, I mean, I think it would be if you're talking about from Stanton's perspective, because he's saying, yeah, yeah, I'd be willing to listen to what they have to say about that. I want to see definite assurances that they're moving toward the kind of progress that they're probably going to give me the impression that they're moving toward. Um but I would think that a no trade clause would have to be kind of essential for him to agree to a deal. But if it's say that it's not say that it's they, they don't they don't give those. Okay. Well yeah, and that's uh so
1: maybe that's maybe that'll be a hang up, you know. Right. But maybe that's why it won't happen. But they don't really give those. So
0: well, I was, they, gonna, I mean, well, I was they, gonna you know why they don't give. Them. Yeah. <laughs> um I mean basically I think that, that, would have, that would have that would have that would have to be a must for him because uh, but also for the Marlins, I mean, if say if he is to sign this kind of deal, uh, and they do look to trade him, I mean, I don't know, that, I don't know of any, I can't think of any homegrown guys off the top of my head. And type, it's like the type of commodity that that Stanton is in the league. I mean, he's considered a top talent in the league. I mean, not that Reyes and you know say Delgado, and, I mean, those were significant players, but Stanton is easily. Got to be the one that carries the most prestige since Miguel Cabrera that they had. But he was a flat-out trade Anyway, what I'm saying is like— It might be
1: irrelevant, though, because I think there's the 10-5 and thing where it's like um, he's been with the same team. Well, that's 10 years in, I guess.
0: Yeah. But what what I'm saying is if they give him a significant contract and convince him of that without getting no trade clause, I think it's basically they've screwed themselves for life by making the case— Not for at least in terms of the franchise, uh, until there's some kind of regime change or they move or something. That if they're to sign him and then trade him after uh, Uh, doing to working so diligently or extensively to convince him that they are not going in that direction, right? Right,
1: that they would just uh, scorch the earth for any future reagents,
0: right? So, like, if they were to make this agreement, uh, I mean, I think we have pretty clear indications one way or the other. How shady of a franchise, front office it is. Yeah. Sure. <clears throat> uh, Stanton is—he's good. Uh, <laughs> and I've been listening to Hawk all day. He good. <laughs> Let's not get carried away. Um, <laughs> we had a listener ask us about the uh, the possibility of anything Rizom. Rizzo will be shut down. Obviously, the back problems that have, he's been dealing with have lasted longer than expected. I think initially this was something that looked like it might keep him out only for a weekend, and it's been we have to be going on a couple of weeks now. I'm not even sure, but I've seen, I mean, I've seen reports now that um, I mean he's hoping to be back this weekend, uh, or if not, he expects to be back at the beginning of next week. I'm not sure what has made him so relatively optimistic, but. Uh, I, I mean, this is not this is not a type of player that the Cubs have any need to shut down. If it's like if it's just like a mild back pain or something like that, uh, or he's or is he experiencing uh, spasms or something. So far, it hasn't been discovered to be anything serious. Obviously, whenever you're talking about a back, it's uh, you could be concerned about the, the possible recurrence of something like this. But it just anything I've read about it, and uh, Chicago has been pretty forthcoming, and they have, they have every reason to protect him. Um, so I, I like to think, uh, considering how much they seem still to be willing to let him come back from this, that this is not a serious injury. And uh, if anything, they're just being extra cautious uh, as well. But uh, I, I don't think that he'll be shut down. I, I think that at some point he'll probably contribute again the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, uh, tough to really know. Um, uh, you know, what, what what
0: was the uh, what was the deal again with him? Uh, he's just he's been experiencing some back uh, soreness, um, and we're talking, geez, uh, what is it? it's got to be? Yeah, I mean he's uh, he has a it's a strained muscle in in the back actually, and uh, which uh, he had an MRI on it about a week ago, or a little over a week ago. I mean, this, is, this is so it's going on almost two weeks, I think it is, and.
1: Well, wasn't he talking about like you know he'll definitely come back?
0: Yeah, yeah, he is saying that he will definitely come back.
1: You know, I think uh, it's uh, it's the kind of talent where it's worth it's worth uh, worth trying to pick him up.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if you're debating as to whether you if you, if you own this guy in a league. And you're basically curious. So, well, is this is this a guy I need to move on from? Because I need I'm in a head head playoffs, or I'm, I'm really tight in standings here. I need somebody to use hitting. I mean, I would I would be inclined to hold him unless this is unless you're in, in a sixteen mixed league or something. Uh, seems like a guy to be holding. Uh, Chris Bryant. You uh, also had a question. Wouldn't Chris Bryant be better than Michael? for uh Basically, well, not. there's no question that Chris Byron would be better than Michael rest of the season uh, for, as far as the Cubs or fantasy owners or anybody in their right minds is concerned. Uh, but, I mean, basically this is a cost issue, I think, for the Cubs. This is the reason that they stated, I'm sure, months in advance that they wouldn't be bringing Brian up, although they didn't say specifically that it had anything to do with financial concerns. That that basically has to be what it is because there's no question that he is kind of exhausted his, uh, exhausted what he can learn at the, in the minor leagues.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I think, uh, I think it might, there might be some 40 man issues. Um uh, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure he's on the 40 man. So they, they've got a pretty crowded situation there anyway. Um, and it's the, it's the ongoing thing about whether or not he's a third baseman or an outfielder, um, you know, with, with Rizzo, um, you know, I think, I believe him. Rizzo, the player, says I'm coming back. Um, he says he's coming back Monday, if not Friday. So, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I believe Rizzo. That means there's not really an opening at first. Um, you know, Valbuena is kind of underrated. And, um, you know, if they're either trying to pump up his value or, or um, if they're not sure about Bryant's defense, you know, it's not, um doesn't make a lot of sense to push Valbuena to the side to to. Pu- to play Bryant right now. You know, and if they put him in the corner outfield where it's a little bit more natural fit and he's more, more ready for the big leagues right now, then they're giving up on the chance that he could be a third baseman. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of different issues going on with that one. I think, uh, you know, I didn't think Bryant would be up this year. And, you know, sometimes yeah, you don't same. believe what they say, but sometimes you just have to believe what they say because it just made too much sense that they wouldn't bring him up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The same. I mean, cause it, it, it it's it's kind of unfortunate especially from fantasy owners and fan persp- fan's perspective is that um it's not just performance and development that matters to promotion uh so it hurts but uh you just have to live with it until the rules of free agency and team <laughs> control change All right and it's not the, yeah and like you said it's not the only factor it's position and things like that uh so <clears throat> And also, uh, I guess a commenter on on our last pod just wanted to just give a shout out to Buster Posey. I can think of no other reason uh, to, to talk about it. Other, I mean, but uh, he's been he's been monstrous, phenomenal. Uh, insert all your superlatives and awesome uh, descriptors here.
1: Uh, and yet, I mean, if you look at uh, what he's done for the season. Um, it's just about, uh, you know, with a few walks less, it's just about, uh, probably what he was projected for. I mean, if you just right. look at his rest of season projections, um, compared to what he's doing now, they're almost identical. Um, so, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things, uh, most of the time I, I preach patience and somebody also asked my chat today about like what was the most, um, I'd ever made up in a year or, or seen made up. And, you know, I, I was, something like 24 games out um, in last place of one of my Roto Leagues. Um, it, and I, it was going into May already. I mean, it wasn't just April. I think it was actually near the end of May. I was still double digits out, um, still in the bottom sort of three, four slots. And uh, now I'm in third place, um, you know, you know, threatening second. I probably won't win it, but I have done made moves you know like this in the past where i did win it um near the end of the year i mean it's always going to get close when you're that far behind but i always just preach patience i know that when it's when it's not working out uh when i preach too much patience it's because i lean towards dynasties i've talked about this before uh but i think in general you know it's a six month thing if a guy has done it for three four five seasons and you know he's not past 30 uh, and there's no real obvious uh, reason for his demise, then you just trust the back of the baseball card, and, and you hold on to the guy, you don't sell low, uh, you don't drop guys, like, you know, obviously people aren't really going to drop Buster Posey, but I bet you there's some leagues out there where Buster Posey was dropped, <laughs> and uh, and you just hold on to these guys, and then, and then, yeah, then it looks like, oh, well, then he just got hot in, in August and September or whatever, and uh um, no that's I mean yeah, he did get hot, but you know the full season is the full season
0: right that's i mean that's tend to that tends to be the way I go I've made up i mean I think in tout I was somewhere i was uh a few years ago I was in the bottom third, and I started out in last, uh, but I was in the bottom third into June and ended up finishing second one of those years. And, uh, like, and part of it was like, you know what, all these guys, like I have projected for, and they haven't met expectations for one reason or another, like a minor injury, something, this and that, like, it's, there's always these little things and to a certain degree, if you trust, like, I mean, I was, I was still at the point in that season. I remember saying specifically that I was like, you know, nothing has happened that makes me question my draft plan at this point. And we're talking two plus months into the season. Uh, so I just kind of stuck with it and made minor changes here and there that I, you know, at the same, I was still looking to pursue only depth. And it turns out like the, a lot of the players I was expecting to, uh, to do well came about and so like in the, in my FSWA league this year, like, um, I mean, I was in the bottom quarter for a couple of months and now I'm in like second place in that league. Like it's, I think it's, I mean, patience is obviously, I mean, people talk about that a lot, but, uh, it's, it's, there becomes a, there becomes a point when you have the question, when you start to question it because it's just, uh, it's your nature. <laughs> and it's not, it's not a point about bragging, but it's like, you know, as long as you, I mean, it's, uh, if you get to, if you know your players and your draft and, uh, your projections well enough as far as just like, you know, not your specific projections, but what you have kind of set out to do. Um, and, uh, for, if you can trust it for as long as, uh, you can, then I think you're you're in good shape. Without uh, intending t- continuing to ramble on about that, uh, if you trust, well, I mean, the, you're in trust. The good
1: side is I I just talked to Mark Trumbo yesterday in the in the clubhouse, and he was like, I was like, you know, are you working on stuff? I was like, first I said, is your, is your foot still hurt? You know, because he's come back, and, and and there's been some okay uh, evidence that he's still hitting the ball hard, but not not far and not out. Um, and, uh, so I, so I'd read a piece on inside Zona about how, um, uh, you know, possibly, um uh, his, his foot was still hurting him. And so and I said, you know, I read that, you know, maybe some of the power outages from your foot, your foot's still hurting you. And he's like, Oh yeah, it kills me. And I was like, really? And he's like, no, it doesn't hurt. Me. <laughs> and, um, and then I started, I was like, you know, are there things you're working on? Do you watch a video of yourself? You know, what what's going on right now? And he's like, Man, I just you know sometimes you have a bad year, <laughs> and um you know, I tend to think that it it's a little bit more likely when there's an injury involved, not necessarily only because of the injury itself and having effects that maybe he doesn't he himself doesn't even realize, but that there are uh there you break when you have an injury like that, you break your season into small samples, you know what I'm saying? it's like yeah. You you have you, you have your sort of two hundred plate appearances before the injury and two hundred plate appearances after the injury instead of your six hundred plate appearances, and it's much easier to put two two hundred plate appearance bad sessions together than it is to uh, to to not be eventually become Mark Trumbo over the course of six hundred plate appearances. So
0: yeah, you have uh, a lot more opportunity to regress to your mean kind of thing, like you said. Yeah, right. Makes, right. Makes makes total sense.
1: Which is why I always prefer if my guy is struggling that he's hurt, so I can put him on the DL. And I and uh, I do if a guy was struggling before he went on the DL, um, I will leave him on the DL as long as possible. Especially if it's sort of a marginal talent. I'm not necessarily calling Trump a marginal talent. He's got a lot of power. Next year he's going to be uh, a decent bounce back pick. I mean he's he's in a powerful uh, park with he's got power himself. You know he'll be undervalued because he had such a bad season. So. You know, um but what I'm saying is that you know, in some of these cases I leave guys on the DL. I've said before that I'll bring a guy back uh right away, but that's what I'm talking about stars. So, you know, um if uh uh Cueto goes on the D L for uh for his oblique or whatever, like he does every year. Uh the first start back uh, I Not I, this, one.
0: With, not this well, one. Not this one. Not this, this one, I know.
1: Not for once. But uh the first start back, I start Johnny Cueto, you know. If uh, if uh, Adam Eaton goes on the DL uh, with a hand thing or whatever, I leave Adam Eaton on the DL as long as possible. You know, as long you know, past him being off the DL, I just leave him on there until I need really need him to make a move, and then I decide, okay, am I going to drop Eaton now, or I'm going to pick up, or am I going to drop somebody else and and put him in my in my roster? So, um, you know, I, I, injuries can can sort of make these things harder to to suss out. I, I would contend that there are bare, there are a lot fewer really bad seasons that didn't, didn't include an injury on some level. Yeah,
0: yeah, I would tend, I would tend to agree with that. Um, I wanted to touch on some pitchers as we tend to do in these podcasts. Uh, recently, his, Hisashi Wakuma has uh, had a rough spell, rough go of things. In his last four starts, uh, he has a 7.50 ERA. Um, 15 earned runs and 18 innings pitched. He has the 18 strikeouts and has walked only four. The uh, the control still is uh, fantastic and just some curious. Uh, we've seen this guy basically out pitch components for a good long while, and so uh, it's almost str- it's kind of strange to see him quote unquote struggle for this even for this length of time. Um, and basically, just wanted to get your thoughts on whether uh, there was anything to be concerned about. Uh, I thought I noticed maybe a little bit of change in uh, loss of movement and maybe the sinker, but for the most part, uh, I don't see anything that really stands out for the uh, this and maybe the maybe there's just a mild command issue or something.
1: Well, you know, it's hard to call one start a, a big deal. You know, he's uh, he's he had like he averaged uh, some of his worst velocity numbers. Uh, basically, yeah, he averages worst velocity numbers for most of his pitches in his last start. And it was at Seattle, so it can't necessarily be a gun issue because we're comparing a lot of Seattle starts to a lot of Seattle starts. So, you know, there's a maybe a half-tick missing, um, maybe almost a full-tick um, of velocity missing um, from his pitches right now. That's one start that doesn't explain everything. Um, you know, in terms of usage... Um, he's slowly, uh, over the course of the year, begun to use the splitter just as much as a sinker. Um, also, don't know if that's a performance, um, you know, asterisk or more of a health asterisk. I mean, that's it's a lot of splitters. and Not a lot of people who do that. Um, it's kind of like the Koji Owehara approach, but uh, in a ton more innings. Uh, we know that uh, Iwakuma's had issues in the past um with health um so that's always uh something that you watch out for um but uh you know in terms of horizontal and vertical movement there's a little bit of uh, uh, flattening out of his pitches um over in that last start too so something happened something happened in the last start a little bit well
0: it's, i it's, think
1: it's possibility that something happened in the last start all of his pitches uh were flat in the last start and uh, they were a little bit slow, but um, you know people have these things from time to time. Even if, like, so his four seam had uh, ten inches of, vari- of vertical movement on it, and usually it's around eight or seven. Well, he's he's had ten inch games uh, four times this year. Other than that, so you know, you know, sometimes people have bad games and things look things look really bad, and then they just uh, figure it out the next time out.
0: Well, well, yeah. First of all, I just want to, I mean, to be clear, we're talking about a four start period where he's been. Kind of rough, but uh, yeah, I guess it's only been in that one start that he's shown the bad signs. But I think it's interesting you point out the split, this, sp- the, the uptick in, in splitter usage relative to the sinker because splitter has actually been his signature pitch, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And remember, he started the year on the DL with the, the reason was the uh, broken, the, something to do with the finger, uh, finger, torn ligament in the finger, and that really affected the grip. Um, Yeah, and he couldn't
1: throw the splitter for a while.
0: Right, so maybe this is kind of the reincorporation of the splitter uh, to maybe a a level that he is more accustomed to a throwing, and uh, because I noticed, yeah, the I I hadn't noticed that trend until you said that the the splitter usage. But um, I think in general,
1: you, you worry a little bit more about. I mean, by this point. Uh, considering uh, the the amount of information we have on him. You worry a little bit more about uh, health uh, with him than you do about necessarily. And of course, that can affect your, your outcomes. It, you, he could be unhealthy now and be trying to pitch through it, and that's why things uh, are looking bad, right? So, yeah, okay. So there is that worry, and part of his finger worries, um, his shoulder worries in Japan, the fact that he didn't have a lot of innings coming out of Japan, um, and he's had, he's had issues in Japan. So, you know, yeah, you can worry about the health bit, but in terms of like production, or to say that like he's been out pitching his FIP, I mean, we've got 500 innings now over three years with the 293 ERA. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think it's a good combination of ballpark and approach and really excellent command. Um, you know, I'm not worried until he has another start where everything's flat uh and the velocity's off again. I mean that that's just one start. Even Jeff Zimmerman's research that says that, you know, the the velocity of a pitcher coming off the DL stabilizes quickly. He says you do learn a lot from one start, but you learn a lot you learn almost everything from three starts. So, you know, give him a start or two more before you start benching him, I'd say.
0: Yeah, that sounds that sounds fair to me. I actually dumped him in a league that I own him, but it's it's that uh, FSWA league, which is on ESPN, where your number of starts is is limited, and uh, I'm, oh, I'm I'm, I'm up against I'm up against the total. Otherwise, I would not have dropped him. So yeah, it's a very that. specific situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just want to make that clear that uh, I am not recommending <laughs> to get rid of Yokuma. Yeah. Um, and, and one of our commenters uh has asked us about uh, you notice. Uh, believe he he observed Michael w- Waka's last start and felt that uh, his stuff was not uh, very sharp. He was leaving some stuff up. Uh, we're not getting quite the kind of breaks on his pitches that we're used to seeing. Uh, this is a pitcher who missed extensive time. Uh, so basically, that's the kind of thing that I would chalk it up to. We talked about we talked about Waka on uh, last week, I believe it was. And uh, I mean, basically, it's a pitcher we like. Uh, you know uh, you're quite fond of him if I'm not mistaken and uh, uh understandably so um uh, but uh, yeah, I am I mean I'm I'm strictly chalking this up to uh the, the the type of absence that he has uh or he's dealt with uh, but I guess the question becomes is how confident can you be throwing him rest of season do you wait for that good start or do you just keep running him out there uh considering how many how much time is left well
1: you know uh I read a really excellent piece on this, uh, on Viva Albertos, uh, by Craig Edwards. And, um, you know, he, uh, he was talking about, um, you know, Waka's been gone for so long that this is, there's a little bit of uh, maybe what you would call spring training or rehab uh, going down right now, uh, where Waka is not himself in terms of what his pitching may he's not throwing his changeup as much as he's as he used to and his changeup is best pitch so there's he's he, his command of his fastball is not as good as he's used to so i think there's a little bit of shaking the rust off uh, that does seem like a truthism and i don't usually use those but um, <laughs> you know there is a uh, there is, you know, when, it, when a guy comes back, unless, you know, unless it, it, no one said he, he didn't say anything like it hurts to throw the change up. And he had that opportunity to say something like he wanted to stay away from it for injury reasons or whatever. He's been interviewed about this. He's admitted he's not throwing the changeup as much, but he said it's mostly because he hasn't gotten ahead with the fastball enough in order to use the changeup. up. So um, in any case, I would I would believe that this is him trying to get right for the playoffs and trying to get right for his team. Uh, while also pitching in the big leagues. I can't imagine, you know, I can't imagine that he's going to do the, the Brandon McCarthy and give up on the changeup. I mean, uh, his changeup is a lot better than Brandon McCarthy's ever was. Um, and, um, you know, from what I've read, at least, the changeup is one of the healthiest pitches. So I can't imagine that it's caused this stress reaction in his shoulder and that they're going to, like, take away his best pitch, basically. So... I like Waka. Uh, I'm not giving up on him. Maybe uh, you can sit him for his next start if you're up against innings, but uh, definitely wouldn't
0: drop him. Yeah, I think it's a tough situation. I mean, I think I I would be – because, yeah, I mean, he didn't really have a rehab assignment, so it's – and on top of it, I mean, I think that they wanted to bring him back uh, pretty much as soon as they could anyway. I mean, when you're talking about running – when your options are Marco Gonzalez um, and Justin Masterson, the way those were going, it's like what's the harm in bringing Waka back and seeing if he can give us four or five effective innings in his efforts to come back uh, or to get back into kind of the distance that we're used to seeing him go. So I would still have some questions, but it could be the next start. So, yeah, I mean, it's not a player I would certainly drop in head-to-head. I mean, I, I would be willing to give him one more start whether I benched him or not to see – at least one more start exactly. to see where it goes. And then then it's just a question of, you know, I'm not dumping him. It's a question of whether I'm going to throw him in the next one, definitely or not.
1: And you've got an easy thing to look for uh, in change-up usage. You don't have right. to de- delve too deeply into what his, you know, if things are flat. I mean, it's a little bit harder to, to decide if Iwakuma was flat. Uh, I mean, I guess with Iwakuma, you look for velocity. With Waka, you look for how many changeups you threw. I mean, these are the things, those are the uh, the sort of uh, easy you know, almost box score type things you can look at, right? Uh,
0: as far as the bullpens are concerned with pitchers, uh, recently uh, Boston has now declared Koji are available out of the bullpen. I don't think he's made an appearance yet. I checked out the the, the lines there, and I well, I own him on a team too. I've been he's been sitting on my bench, but uh, he's available. Not yet as closer. Uh, it's worth noting. Uh, but they Boston did say that they have every intention of trying to get him back into the closer role by the end of the season, uh, so that'll be an interesting thing to see if develops. Obviously, Edward Mujica is the kind of the guy to own there until that happens. And we t- we talked about Uehara extensive, st- extensively, and uh, we also had a request to talk about closer situations, particularly one of them, in particular, was Boston. Uh, basically, it's I mean, it's a situation where uh, even though Boston wants to get Uehara back in the role they don't there's not a lot of incentive or necessity to do so um
1: yeah yeah there's that's i think incentive is is the right word because if they are negotiating with him next year to co- sign him as a closer then they want him to have fewer saves in the past right. <laughs> and uh you know if it comes to uh free uh what's it called uh, you know the type type a type b status whatever that crap is um <laughs> You know, he'll, he'll probably have the, the, the status by now anyway, mm-hmm. um, to, to get them back a pick in the consolation round or whatever. So, uh, I probably said three wrong things in that statement. Uh, but anyway, um uh, I think no. in general, Weihara's, uh value isn't, can only become more expensive, uh, to, to the Red Sox themselves by getting a lot of saves. And, you know, maybe even the player himself after pitching sort of career number of innings last year, um, wouldn't mind, uh, you know, stepping off the gas a little bit.
0: Yeah, I would. I would think that. I would think that he wouldn't mind as well. Like you said, yeah, the workload is definitely. That's definitely what made him coming into this season a bit a bit riskier, uh, even in then in past seasons. Joaquin Soria is back with the Detroit Tigers uh, following his strain oblique injury. Uh, seems like he will be getting his his work in game situations. Straight out of the majors as well. Um, and uh, he gave up a run in his first appearance back, It uh, was in the ninth inning of a uh, it was not a safe situation, obviously. I think it was a game, a tight game, in which Detroit or trailed uh, KC last night, and uh, not a huge deal, but uh, I mean, it's encouraging to see. I mean, he's probably going to need at least a couple of appearances before he's even put in and truly in high leverage situations for them. Although I guess you could, you could say that uh, last night was one uh, in the sense that uh, they were looking to, they were looking not to get uh, any further off the lead. I think the final score of that game was three to nothing. And, uh, and uh, so uh, certainly Detroit uh, didn't want to put themselves in a, in a worse situation with the uh, outside opportunity that they could come back uh, in the ninth inning. But uh, I think it's, it's safe to say that, uh, Soria is probably a good week or so, at least from being even in consideration for displacing Joe Nathan. Once that even is possible, it, it's it seems highly unlikely at this point to me. I mean, I've seen allusions still to the to the possibility that Soria will displace him. I think if anything that happens closer to the, much closer to the playoffs or in the postseason, this is kind of like a hey, is this a decision we want to make going into or, into, into the postseason? But, uh, than it does for, it really seems like possible for fancy purposes, unless it's the final week.
1: Yeah, the only, you know, again, uh, there's not a lot of numbers to to really rely on when it comes to closer prognostication, so I don't feel so bad about doing this. But just watching Nathan pitch right now, uh, it all seems very high wire. Um, he seems to get to go to three ball counts a lot more. You can see from his walk rate that he's not uh, having a great command uh, season. And there's definitely an a, a interaction between command and confidence uh, when it comes to players, and so you've got, um, you know, he doesn't look very confident on the mound. He's going to three ball counts. Uh, seems like he's nibbling, kind of, you know, you know, happy to get out of innings and stuff like that. So, strikeout rates at the bottom. I mean, and and they're in a dogfight, and they would much rather win the division. Right. So, I think Surya is one of the few names that's still out there to to talk about. I mean. Uh Sanchez is owned by now, I would keep owning Sanchez over Amoro, uh, even though Amoro you know, is exciting and has nice velocity, I think.
0: Aaron Sanchez. Uh, just huh? to clarify, Aaron, Aaron Sanchez yeah. in Toronto.
1: Yeah, I would I would hold on to Sanchez. Uh I know Quackenbush, there's some question there, but uh I hold on to Kevin Quackenbush. I think he's going to uh continue to close in San Diego. Um I don't really see somebody taking that away from him. I guess uh, some places uh, Boxberger is not owned, um, and he's you know he picks up the
0: occasional save.
1: He's gotten a couple saves, um, but McGee's more the man there, and, and Boxberger's is, is a is a fringe own and in, in sort of a twelve team league. So uh, there's not a lot out there right now. And if I needed to take a shot on saves, I think Soria is about the only name that's on the free agency wire. I think I'd I think I'd prefer Soria over Mujica actually. I just you know, the, the Red Sox aren't giving a lot of save opportunities right now. Muji, because is, is marginal, um, himself based on strikeout rate. He's not going to give you any value in anything other than saves. And, uh, you know, this, this news way is at least available in the bullpen. I might make that jump just because Saria is not going to be out there for very long.
0: Yeah, true. Yeah, that's, that's, that seems to make sense. Uh, also a uh, possibility, <clears throat> uh, could have some appeals. Wade Davis, if, if, the tricep soreness that Greg Holland has been dealing with continues to uh, continues to be an issue. I mean, it still seems like a very day to day thing for Casey. Uh, perhaps part of the reason is uh, the fact that they are right in the thick of things, and they are really more hopeful that he is uh, that this is nothing more serious, and that he is available in the very near future. He was originally expected to be back. I mean, they they considered it basically a definite that he'd be back on Tuesday, and that still hasn't uh, he still has not been uh, what they consider available. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, but Wade Davis, obviously one of the most dominant relievers this season, and basically since it, when he has been a reliever, he has been dominant. Um, so he's a guy you could pick up at least in short term, or maybe in a daily league or something like that, where if, if uh, where relievers are applicable. Um, Sean Doolittle also for the A's uh, with the strained intercostal muscle is expected I back on not, Friday.
1: I did not think of that situation, but uh, yeah, I think that one's over too. I mean, Doolittle's back Friday, and they need him. And they, I think, in the meantime, admit they they realized you know he's our he's definitely our closer.
0: Yeah, Eric Flaherty is certainly not uh, probably not. He's probably lost their appeal, and glad that he was no more more than their interim choice simply because they wanted to keep other guys in their, uh, court, in their roles in previous innings. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka, the partially torn UCLA, he's, he's expected to pitch in an instructional league game, uh, on Monday. And, uh, I guess there's some, they're floating out there. We've, we've talked about him in the past as a guy that you might want to consider stashing in the head, head league, a setback that he, uh, and just in terms of his timetable that he had recently, really kind of puts what kind of fancy value he might deliver in doubt. But, uh, Talking about a possible return in, in uh, about ten days, eight to ten days uh, in a Toronto series. So, it's definitely something to keep in mind that this guy. I mean, he he might get in two starts, and uh, I mean that could certainly they could certainly be be decent starts.
1: Um, yeah, I mean he's a good pitcher. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it turns out he's a good pitcher. Yeah. Uh, so Charlie, Charlie Morton with sports hernia might be back sometime next week. Dustin Ackley with bone spurs in the ankle, perhaps this weekend and Everett Cabrera strain hamstring, uh, originally expected back this weekend. and Macy was more so to be available. It turns out that the DUI thing matters to the Padres for an office and they are doing their due diligence as far as finding out, uh, the extent, the extent of the, uh, marijuana Dewey that he has and uh, clearly just it's probably a player that they'll be parting ways with in the off season. So there's probably really not any reason to bring him back, uh, bring him back Checkered. from the, from the disabled list.
1: Checkered past.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, and just some, some brief stuff also on in the injuries, uh, Dustin Pedroia with the wrist pain is, uh, underwent or he's probably already undergone the season engine surgery, uh, to correct a wrist issue that he's been dealing with all season. Uh, Quick thought. Does this, do you chalk up, since we know that this is, I mean, this is something that the talk has been ongoing about, do you say, okay, I give, I give Petrolia a pass and I'll draft him again in the first few rounds next year as second baseman? To me, I say, you know what? Like, I might do that. I might have done that three years ago, but a combination of the fact that he's aging and the, uh, and so the power and the speed have also diminished. And I, I don't think that the power diminishes is diminished solely related to wrist problems, uh, things like that, uh, that, uh, I mean, I think, I think if people take that approach, I'm going to let them have him. Um, yeah, I, uh, considering, I mean, he put up not, he put up only nine home runs in 2013 and, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's empty batting average. It's good numbers for a second baseman, but,
1: I uh, hate I hate that uh, you know, because I, I I I bought low on him this year, and um, just felt like you know he'd be fine if he was healthy. But then he just had another unhealthy year, so it's hard to um, it's hard to you know it's hard to believe in, in Pedroia to uh, to be healthy now. I mean, it looks now like he's not going to be a healthy guy. So,
0: um, I mean, it's not the first, I mean, he's dealt with injuries in multiple seasons. It's, it's like, yeah. but, but it never seemed to affect his performance, a great deal, just his availability, except for in one if case,
1: he, if, it, if he, I mean, if he drops, if he drops hardcore next year, and he might, then I might see him as a top 10 guy just based on, you know, a little bounce back from the Boston offense. And right. then you might be talking about a guy who could hit you uh two plus with
0: um, uh, maybe 10 homers and
1: yeah. And then 15 stolen bases or something, you know, that sort of thing. So um,
0: yeah, I think like if, 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 if I, I always think, of, I think of Pedroya as a player that uh, fantasy owners love, there's always at least one or two guys in, in the drafts that I do that love Pedroya And so like they'll, you know, and they make comments that say, Oh yeah, you know, Pedroya he's, you know, I mean, there'll be a comment that accompanies a pick of Pedroia or uh, or a, somebody else saying, oh, I can't believe you, t- you stole Pedroia from me. I love him or something like that. So there's always I feel like there's always one of those guys in in my leagues. But uh, and so I think if there if there's enough of that sentiment or just that general love for Pedroia that persists and he goes you know, in the top 50 picks. Uh, I'll probably end up passing because there's probably a little bit more exciting talent at second base. But if he, if he drops further than that, yeah, then I think I'd still view him as a guy that I'd be willing to take.
1: Uh, Yeah. And then, you know, I guess David Wright is, is um, actually very sort of important to this conversation as well. Is that you know, but David Wright—the nice thing about him is that his injury-riddled poor seasons were, at least had more space between them. You know, yeah. <laughs> he didn't—he uh, didn't have both of those bad years like right up on each other. So, um, you know, I—I I could believe in a power bounce back more from David Wright than uh, than Pedroia. For example, they both had really bad power years this year. I'll still. Uh, take Wright for the over uh, on Bedroy in terms of homers. I'll still take Wright for over 15. Uh, I'll still take Wright for 18. Uh, uh, will I take Wright for 20? 21? Uh, now you're starting to lose me. So, so you know, I put Wright's home run range way ahead of Bedroyo's, um and they're you know both going to steal around 10 next year. Um, and, uh, both going to have hopefully, uh, decent, uh, runs in RBI numbers, um, and third base and second base are actually kind of coming closer together. So, I mean, I'd yeah. definitely take right over Pedroia, um, and I wouldn't take either in the first two, three, four rounds at the very least. And then uh, Pedroia, I probably wouldn't take him in the first, maybe uh, seven, eight rounds.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of – that probably sums up about how I feel about it. I mean, yeah, Wright has always been – he's always had a bigger body. I mean, he has the bigger body type. Pejoria has always been a swing from the heels guy. And the swing from the heels, uh, when it's not getting it done anymore, then then it ain't going to get it done at all. But uh, Wright, I mean, and just in general, I mean, Wright has had the the greater – obviously the the better power pedigree. So definitely understandable. And a a player who has definitely reached uh, age and injury – um impacts is uh Carlos Beltran with the bone spurs in this elbow. He's missed a few games here again recently. Uh surgery is a definite uh it's basically expected that he'll have surgery probably as soon as the season is over, which for the Yankees is again very likely to be uh by the end of September is at the end of September or so. Uh but they've already said that they won't give him another quarter zone shot this season. So basically it sounds like if he doesn't Overcome this in the next few days, they're probably just going to shut him down. Uh, and I think this will be this will be a little ominous or telling. him mean, basically, going into the next season, uh, I mean, it's it's always possible that he could have a bit of a bounce back as well. But uh, he'll be uh, he'll be approaching 38 going into next season. So,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he was expected to lose time to injury. Um, I think that uh, I don't think that this season uh was uh very far from you know what was expected from him
0: uh i
1: think there was a, he,
0: there was a lot of you know it's, but he was he was there was a lot of projection that had him as like a wow this guy everybody's passing up on him and, and undervalued and all that stuff and i think that that kind of a, i mean there were a lot of like top i would say top uh 30 to 50 player type projections which is i think i would i want to say that Beltran finished there on one of the two previous seasons but uh the move yeah, I mean, to the last,
1: Yankees. Year, last year's 296 24 homers was was uh was nice but i mean he's 37 years old and if you just look at the bell curve i mean he didn't start with great batting averages either so right um you know i i probably had him down for 260 20 this year so if he hits a couple more homers before he takes a before he takes a bow in the season he's not too far from that just, uh and at 37 um you know next year, what would I take him as? I would take him as a fifteen team uh league fifth outfielder um because he's probably gonna be still available there um fifteen team utility player uh that sort of deal, maybe a little bit more love for him in on base percentage leagues mm-hmm. um than batting average leagues uh but it's near the end of his career, and I think uh, next year we'll be writing uh glowing pieces about how underrated he was and um, and uh, how people won't appreciate how great he was because of his batting average or something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely understandable. Uh, and Beltre, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree uh, totally in that sense moving forward for him. Uh, also, I think uh, uh, the, the health, I mean, that's I, I, kind of about to, I, I think the move to Yankee Stadium kind of made people forget that the health, since he had he had, had two relatively healthy seasons and the Cardinals, you know, did a pretty good job of maintaining that. Uh, or actually probably is more so just I mean the the Cardinals would give him frequent breaks. They would never they would rarely play him, it seemed like more than three, four or five games in a row. Uh, and perhaps that was part of it. But uh that Beltran he he, pr- he stayed pretty healthy for the cards and uh, i think the combination of that and the move to yankee stadium really inflated expectations much more so i think i had my projection was probably a little more generous than yours but i saw some projections that had him as a like a top 50 type player and i thought that that was way too way too dismissive of uh the entire body of work as far as especially health is concerned uh, and also Brett Gardner with an abdominal injury, he could be out for an extended period. that stinks, especially if you're trying to make up ground in stolen bases or for some reason uh the power spike that he went through earlier this season is is also affecting your hopes and home runs uh, and Speaking of home runs uh, for guys who hit two hundred Pedro Alvarez is with this has been diagnosed with a stress reaction in the fourth metatarsal of his left foot. He is done for the regular season, at least, uh, unless Pittsburgh gets deep into the postseason. Uh, I think he's done for the year. Period. So, it's a
1: funny. That's a really funny one. I actually, I've broken that one. The and, fourth.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: I mean, I think it was the fourth. <laughs> if I remember correctly, what what it was like was you can walk around fine, and and it looks like uh, it looks like you're fine, but the minute you try to run. Uh, you're uh you're just like in debilitating pain and it's a very difficult one because people see you walking around fine are like so what the hell dude um and uh there's very little you can do except for just it's one of those it's not one of those things you can put a cast on so um you know there is some level of where maybe like he could push through it uh maybe they'll find there'll, there'll be some point where they say okay, now it's just pain if you want to push through it that's fine um but the fact that they moved him off third and that Harrison is healthy again and they have Davis who can pretty much do what Alvarez does at first uh suggests to me that they won't push him too hard and he's not going to be the reason they don't make it um so uh i'm i'm uh i'm of two minds on this he always had these semi fatal flaws in his game that could have led to him being a bust and he's and he's headed full, you know, head on towards that, towards that label. Uh, but also, I think he's probably better than Ike Davis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, you know, now they all of a sudden have created a log jam at first base of <laughs> platoon uh, right-handed bats. Uh, so I don't know what they're really going to, uh, uh, how they're going to figure that one out. But, um,
0: well, I uh, think Davis is a guy that they just... Uh... Uh, they let walk in the off season if I'm not yeah. mistaken,
1: yeah, I think that's probably true and uh and then you know, despite uh thinking that maybe they could get more for davis um you know and me thinking that maybe the Mets should have waited longer and tried to recoup his value, uh maybe they read it right on that one, so anyway um you know i still like I still like the Pirates, man, they still have a lot of good things going on it's just uh some things haven't quite worked out for them.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I like the Pirates as well. I root for them. I root for teams like them, uh, and uh, fingers crossed for them going forward. I still, yeah, there's there's still a lot of uh, great pieces and a lot of I think more bright than not parts of their future. Uh, and I think that's uh, going to do it until we get to, except for the fact that uh, Eno has been getting uh, hammered with questions about uh, possible stream streamers for next week as uh, in pitching.
1: Let's just do a quick, quick rundown. Yes. So, so uh,
0: he has, he has some uh, potential pitchers in mind. I think. Go ahead. You have
1: anybody like on Monday? Uh,
0: not off the top of my head, no. Um, I have to give it. I have to give another a quick whirl through. I know that.
1: Uh, I sort of sprung this on, on you. Um, I think uh, maybe uh, if uh, either Elias or Shoemaker are available in your league uh they're pitching on monday seattle against the angels in in la i think either of those guys is a good is a good throw there and uh the bonus is that they're uh they're two starters probably um you know miley i like in uh, in san francisco more than i like uh in arizona uh, so i don't know about that uh situation so monday's not really a great uh place to find your two starters um you know, Simone, uh, Alfredo Simone has the Cubs, but it's in Chicago, but it's a night game. Um, I think that's a decent one. On Tuesday, I like, uh, Rafael Montero. Uh, I know he's up against the Met, the Marlins, and they can put up some crooked numbers, but, uh, they're in New York. Um, I mean, it's not as nice as being in Miami, but Montero's, uh, shown something. We should maybe talk about Montero next time. Maybe, uh, we'll have the benefit of, um, but well, we won't have the benefit of Maybe We'll talk about Montero ahead of his start next, uh, on, on Tuesday because he's been throwing the change up and slider a little bit more and they've been working out a little bit better. Okay. Um, otherwise, uh, Pineta's still out there. He's probably not, but, uh, if he is, uh, I like him. And, um, you know, otherwise, uh, AJ Burnett in Philadelphia, uh, I think
0: is a decent start anyway. Uh, in San Diego. In San Diego, yeah, uh, I think that's a decent start.
1: Um,
0: I, I am personally afraid to throw AJ Burnett. I'm gonna, I'm gonna disagree with you.
1: <laughs> even in San Diego.
0: Yes, even in San Diego.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, it's not a great, it's not a great landscape. I mean, I don't know what it is. I guess the good guys have been are owned, and the, and there's there's a bunch of empty uh, things on these probable lists that I'm looking at. Um, so you'll get some, you know, last minute uh decisions but those will probably be filled by sort of minor leaguers that you probably don't want to throw um so it's it's an iffy time to be streaming um and yet uh it's uh it's time to um it's it's time to get down to it i think i would be just as careful as possible
0: yeah uh and i mean i I'm, I'm going to – I guess I would assume that Jared Cozart is probably – his ownership has gone up and is probably he's unavailable in your league, but he's a guy that I've been I've been liking probably more than you know. And, uh, I, I mean, uh, he would be opposing Montero in that Tuesday start. I would not be afraid to throw him for some reason. He's out there, but that, that's probably overreaching. And Jake Peavy obviously has also been great. Uh, um,
1: you would throw Cozart against the Mets. Yeah, because it's the Mets more than it's Cozart. I mean – I don't, I I looked at Kozart for today and um, nothing has changed in terms of what he's throwing. I mean, there's no pitching mix throw. There was nothing like he got to Miami and they said, oh, we want you to throw this. Um, So I'm not sure that I believe that he's uh, suddenly gotten better, but he's now, uh, you know, pitching in the National League and pitching against uh, lineups like the Mets. So,
0: yeah, uh, I think that's part of it. When I, uh, and I did a blog on him a few weeks ago. I think the only thing that really stands out to me is like, he has, I don't, I think he has, uh, his pit, he has more pitch classifications than he has pitches. (laughs) And I think, I think to me, it's just, it makes me wonder if there's not a little bit of, uh, I mean, cause he doesn't, it's not so much in terms of swing and miss, but because and none of the movements on them are like stellar to the point that they get a lot of swing and miss. But the fact that it maybe is a little bit, it's like control, it's, uh, Uh, a little bit of uh, unpredictability in front of even if you pick up the pitch you're not exactly sure which way it's going to break or you're not going to hit it squarely because he seems to get a little bit of contact like that and that's that's what makes me wonder about him i still think i mean i like i like the stuff uh overall but it's true he's
1: a little bit predictable in terms of like the meat though like i mean if you look at uh let's see here 90 percent of his pitches 91 percent of his pitches are either curve or cutter um so yeah he has these other pitches, but for the most
0: part you're looking curve or cutter. Um uh, and And the cutter's kind of wild, I think. Yeah, the cutter <laughs> is weird. Yeah, it's, that's what I mean. Like it's just it's a weird, it's a weird, wild pitch. It's not uh it's, it's not... a weird pitch.
1: It it almost has by, by pitch FX on Brooks, it has almost no horizontal movement. So it's neither, you know, an arm side tail situation and it's not really it has way more cut than a regular fastball because a regular fastball tails so um, you know it is a cutter uh, but it doesn't cut like a slider where it's um, yeah it's very strange it it doesn't (laughs) he has a you know he has a curve that you know moves six inches glove side and then he has this cutter that you might expect a fastball to tail but it doesn't tail at all I don't know man i it, the curve is good, the curve is good. it's a big old meat hook um and the cutter uh gets good outcomes it it's um you know this year you know six seven percent whiffs for you know a fastball that's okay, but uh I still think something's missing. I don't really believe in it,
0: fair enough. Fair enough. Well, and on that note, uh, then the only streamer I can really recommend is Roberto Hernandez at Colorado.
1: <laughs> Lock, stock, write it down. <laughs> oh, we were laughing now, but he's going to go six one.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> Well, I believe that is going to do it for this edition of The Sleeper and the Bust. You you can't end on a much higher note than a recommendation of Hernandez in Colorado. (laughs) And uh, I want to thank you all again for joining us. And uh, we look forward to talking about some more requested topics and some other stuff of interest. Uh, We'll look to talk about Rafael Montero, for instance, in a future episode uh, on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, thank you once again for for joining us today.
1: Thank you. I'm off to tomorrow to... uh uh Giants Dodgers in uh in, in San Francisco going to be a, a big series and Indeed. Uh, I don't know who I'm going to talk to but um think about Dee Gordon maybe uh, It might be interesting to to see what Dee Gordon has to say about the season so okay uh, but uh in general just kind of going to uh to soak in the
0: atmosphere but so. I imagine, yeah, that would be one of those series that you can you can attend and just, yeah, that that would be a very nice one, I think, to soak in the atmosphere. And there's uh and there's
1: some good baseball coming up. I mean, the A's lost today, so the 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 AL wild card race has legit four or five teams in there. Um, and uh, the NL West is is tight, so I think we might have one of those crazy last days uh, in us again this year.
0: Yeah, that seems to be par for the course in recent seasons. Period. So that's it's. Uh, once again, we're shaping up for a very, very, very interesting into baseball's regular season. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, I have been your host, Nicholas Minix, and this is the Sleeper and the Bust.
1: Sleeper.